Well, good evening and Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, my name's Dave, one of the pastors here. Grinch tried to shut it down, but it didn't happen, right? Christmas came anyway. And uh, all that he tried to do couldn't stop it, something he never thought could happen. Why? Because Christmas changes everything. And, and we know this, right? Which is why we all have this uh, picture in our head of what Christmas is supposed to be, right? Like you got it in your head. There are things that are in there where you're like, no, this has to happen. It needs to look like this. We need to send out these cards. We need to bake these things. We need this to happen. Like in our house, we have like two trees going. There's the, the regular tree that's all decked out in traditional, you know, the, what fits our family. And then in the other room, we have this memory tree because every year uh, I've got three girls Girls, we buy them an ornament that signifies something special that year. And so uh, my, my oldest daughter is 19 now. And I told her this year, I said, oh, hey, uh, uh, you know, the, the Christmas come and all that. And then she's like, hey, when are we getting the, the ornament this year? I said, oh, you don't get one this year. That's only for when you're a kid. And then and she's like, oh, yeah, right. You know, and, and then uh, I said, what if this year we didn't get you one? And, and that had happened. Like, would you have been upset? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'd have been ticked, you know? And, and so for her, in her mind, it's like, oh, Christmas hasn't happened yet until that ornament shows up. And so, you know, uh, she, she got that. My other girls got that. Like, for, for, for those of us in here, like, and, and joining online, you have this image in your head of what needs to happen in order for Christmas to happen. Who needs to come over? What needs to be sent? What needs to be experienced? But where did that come from? Where did that come from? My, um, I suspect it's probably from childhood because, you know, like in child, when you're a kid, everything's awesome, right? You, you remember those presents? There's probably something from your childhood. You're like, oh, that made that Christmas that year. You know, like I remember that. I'm never going to forget that present. I remember when Atari first came out. That's how old I'm at. And, you know, like I, I was like, ooh, we got an Atari. You know, it changed the game for, for, for me as a little guy. And so, you know, there were little things like that or meals, uh, going over, figuring out out, you know, what was going on, who was coming over, where we were going, all of that stuff. From As a child, everything seemed awesome, right? But that's because we were like seven. We had no idea what was going on in the background. Mom and dad trying to figure out, are you going to grandma and grandpa's? Who's coming? What are we going to get? Do I have the receipt to that? And you're navigating all of these things like Black Friday, you know, you got Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, you know, Giving Tuesday, and then the, oh, stink, I'm at Walgreens. It's closing in an hour, and it's Christmas Eve because my neighbor got me something. I need to get them something because I don't want to go home empty-handed. Anybody been there? Yeah, no? Been at Walgreens on Christmas Eve? Anyone? Your day's coming. Oh, we got one. All right. I've been there. I've been there. I'm guilty. All right. So it, there's just this image of what Christmas is supposed to be. And everything as a child made Christmas seem so great. But all of that kind of changes when you're an adult, right? You, you get to be an adult and you're like, oh, man, this was crazy. December 26th hits after all that's happened. And you're like, oh. Christmas is over. You know, you don't have to worry about all that stuff anymore. You don't have to think about all that, worrying about the stress and everything and, and, and all, the, all the things that need to go back uh, that you're wondering why you bought in the first place. It just whips us into a frenzy. And, and so some of you in here may be going, uh, I, I, my Christmas is a little more picture perfect. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Dave. Like, where are you getting this image from? Because 
we do have everything kind of ordered out. Like I already got the cookies sent. I already got the cards sent. People are already coming over or I'm going over there. Like I'm not sure what you're talking about because my Christmas is turning out like the, the, the picture is. And so uh, if that's you, here's what I would say to you today and, and, and if you're online, run. Run far from here, okay? Like, we are gonna mess it up for you, all right? Because uh, you wanna hang out with people who put the fun in dysfunction? We're that people, all right? So, I mean, th- there's just stuff going on, and you're the rare one, so you can pray for us. It's okay. Uh, have a great Christmas. Just don't tell the rest of us about it, all right? So just, just, just hang on. So that, that Christmas can get crazy, right? And I, what I have found is in this season, there, there's a tendency for the season to rob us of the transformation that Christmas can offer, that God offers us through this yearly reminder called the Christmas season. And and so this week what I did is I kind of put on the pastor hat and I thought, hey, if I was sitting in your seat tonight or I was tuned in online, what would I want to hear if I came here? Like, what, what would it be that, that, that if I could hear this, be reminded of this, be challenged with this, be encouraged to think about, what would it be that I would like to hear that would actually be helpful? Like, would it be that something super creative was rolled out, uh, that, that what happened in here was maybe just a little bit louder than what's going on out there? Like, would that be helpful? And as I thought about it, I'm like, no, that's not it. And I suspect that in the crazy year that we've had, that you are in the same boat that I'm in, in that you would like to hear something that would just recenter you on the truth, the fact that Jesus came here, that he traversed uh, the, the span of that, that's unfathomable, that, that he left heaven and he came here to bring about transformation and restoration. And the span from heaven to here, it's not like we can just plug it into our GPS and we can find our way there. It's a space that only he could traverse. And he chose to do that. He chose to, the, to, to leave perfection. He chose to leave where he was worshipped to come here, take on human form, and live the life that we could not live and die the death that we deserve to die. And so we get to experience yet again in this season the gospel in a tangible way by reconnecting with the story of Christmas. Then how it transforms us from the inside out. Because as we reconnect with the truth of the fact that Jesus came and what he came to do, it begins to reshape our mind. And, and it, it causes our mind to be uh, uh, formed into that which would honor Jesus more and more. And as that begins to change, then our heart begins to beat for the things that matter most to him. And then as that happens, then it affects our behavior, the way that we actually live life. So the mind changes, the heart changes, life changes. And then as we're out there being transformed, as we're abiding with Christ, walking with him, spending time in scripture, taking the truth of that scripture, scripture, letting it inform our lives so that we're different as a result of actually doing what it says. And then out of that, it leads us to prayer, leads us to fasting, other disciplines, not so that God will love us, but because he does, we want to connect with him more intimately. As we do that, we 
change. And as we change, then those around us begin to see like, hey, what's going on over here? And they begin to see the tangible change in us because of the fact that we are being impacted by the spirit of God. And and they begin to ask questions. They begin to experience what we've experienced. They begin to dig into truth. They begin to be impacted by the biblical principles. And that spreads and cities change, states change, countries change. The world begins to change as God's plan unfolds life after life after life. How? Simply because Jesus came. And so tonight, I want to remind us of some theological truths. We'll we'll throw out some, some core theological truths tonight. And the reality of transformation will just be right there in our face. And we get to come face to face with transformation and restoration and understand yet again, like what we saw in the in that little clip there, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, Christmas is something more because Jesus came. And, and, and it's not that picture that's in our head of all of the things that make Christmas great. All of those things are fine, but it, it's all made possible because he did come. So how's that sound? You want to go there tonight? Good stuff? All right, let me pray and then we will get to work. Jesus, we are about to open your word and we believe that the the Bible is alive, it's active, it changes who we are as we take what it says and rightly apply it to life. So as we read these words, I pray that they would come alive to us and that as we walk out of here tonight, because we have interacted with your word, because the spirit saw fit to have these things written down so that we could, here we are thousands of years later after they have been written and they are still as impactful uh, today as they were when they were first put down. And so thank you that you saw fit to give that to us so that we could know your heart, that we could walk in your way and we could be forever changed. And so we don't want to be uh, just affected tonight or this week or uh, this month or year, but we want to see the trajectory of our lives literally change because we came face to face with your word. So God, we welcome you here. We thank you that you have good stuff in store for us, and we just are are excited to see what the scriptures say. So uh, uh, we pray for your protection over this place, Uh, and for those watching online, help our minds to focus in on truth, and we honor you uh, by uh, just taking these words and taking them to heart. Would you do in us what only you can do so that we can live in freedom and life? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you guys want to turn to Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going to spend some time in, in, in Romans 8 for just a minute here. And as we go here, uh, that, that uh, we see Paul writing these words down to a church, and the, it brings up this amazing truth that I think as we begin to dig into it, it helps us to see exactly what's going down here at Christmas. Romans 8, and jumping in at verse 28. And here's what Paul writes down. He says, and we know... Now, we think, we hope, but we know this, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there's a ton in there. 
There's a ton in there. And words like foreknew and predestined, we're like, ooh, you know, is that where we're going tonight? No, you know, we're not going there. Uh, that's not what we're tackling. If you want to know more about that, we went through Romans a, a, a year or so ago. You can go back to Romans and dig in there. We're not going to touch that, but there are a couple things that I do want to hit because we read these verses and at first glance, you're like, that doesn't feel very Christmassy, you know, Romans 8, foreknew, predestined. What, what's going on? Where are you going? There's two things that I want to go at. Number one, there's this, this word that is said we would be conformed to the image of Christ. So we'll come back to that. That's big time. But then this word pops up over and over. And this is the second piece that I want us to hit on. And that is put, turning our attention to the word justified. Justified. You see, because check this out. Had Jesus not come, all right, had Jesus not left heaven and come here, you take away the angel coming to Mary saying, you're going to give birth to the son of God. Uh, you know, like this is coming. You take away the shepherds out in the field and then the, the angels show up and light up the sky. You take that away saying, hey, there's, there's a, a savior born today in the city. Take that away. Slice out the manger. We stand here, sit here tonight sit, uh, online. If, then we stand here guilty. We stand here guilty, all right? Things are different for us if that never happened. And our justification that Romans 8 talks about here disappears because he didn't come. Slice all that out and, and it changes. You see, justification is a legal term that essentially means this, that, that there is this trial uh, and, and the gavel has come down, ga just garnering our attention as it is hammered down like, hey, there is a verdict here. Hammer, hammer, hammer. Pay attention. And here's what the verdict says. That the judge comes out, watch this, and says, you and I, if your faith is in Christ, what he has done on your behalf, if faith is in him, you are innocent. Innocent. Free. Cleared of all charges. Free, justified. That's what it says. So this Christmas, we are yet again reminded of the amazing truth that God made a way where there was not one. He made the way. He traversed that span between heaven and earth that only he could do. And he came here for us Christ coming in the flesh, dying on the cross, and faith in him means this, that if through our faith in him, his perfection is our perfection. His goodness is our goodness. His innocence, our innocence. His righteousness, our righteousness. That's what goes down there. Like, that's our justification. That's what is ours to be had. And then he absorbed the full wrath of God while he hung on the cross. The resurrection is evidence that our bill has been paid in full. Faith in Christ means you and I stand in freedom tonight because he came. We are justified. Now, from a theological perspective... That can make sense. You can read that verse and go, oh, okay, I see what happened. I saw what Jesus did. I can read about that. I can begin to put my arms around that. It's staggering, mind-blowing, amazing, generous, merciful, all of that. You can put your arms around that theological reality, right? You can begin to grab hold of that. Here's where things break down, though, at least for me. And maybe you can relate to this, but here's where things break down for me. Practically, that's a different story. 
practically, it starts to really break down for me. Why? To be declared innocent is hard for me to grab hold of. You want to know why? Because I know all of the junk over here. I know all of the 50 years of collection of ridiculousness that has happened over here. And, and I've gotten good at it. And yet, what these verses tell me is because he came and lived the life that I was supposed to live and died the death that I deserved to die, that through faith in him, all of that forgiven, that I'm innocent, that I am free. Man, that's the kind of thing when you, you see the movie go down where the guy's like, hey, right, here's the, the courtroom, the judge comes in, about to give the verdict, not, 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 you know, declared innocent, where you go and you're like, I'm free, I, I, I made it. I, I'm not guilty for that. You know, you hug Jesus. You're like, I got free. I'm out. You got me out. Like, this is amazing. And here's what our tendency is. And here's why I'm saying, practically speaking, it's hard for us to grab hold of this. What we try to do is, now that we're declared innocent, now that we're declared free, a lot of times what we do is it's like, okay, from now on, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done with that. I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. That's it. From now on, this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to roll for me. And somehow we try to earn innocence that we've been given. And so what we do, we, we try to go and earn that space because free and forgiven, they're not very congruent in life, are they? Because we don't experience that anywhere. Like that's just a, a foreign concept on planet earth. Free and forgiven in life. Like, where do we see that? It's always, uh-oh, look at what happened. Here comes, there's benefits for obedience and consequences for disobedience. We know that. And so when we see what has happened in our life and that we're forgiven, our tendency is to walk out those doors and to try to earn our innocence, to try really hard to be this best version uh, that we can of us, thinking that somehow we're going to behave our way into a right standing again with God. And that is not our story. That is not our story. Thankfully, Romans 8 isn't the only place where we're reminded of the beauty of Christ's coming. If you want to flip over to Galatians chapter 2, look at what Paul writes to the Galatians. Just in case you're one of the people like me that ever so, uh, every so often you find yourself in this space where you're like, I think I'm trying to earn my innocence again. But I forget how quickly I forget that I have been forgiven. Galatians 2 Here's what Paul writes to the church. We ourselves, he's writing to the, to, to the church there. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Uh, a quick quiz here. Uh, who, who do you think we are in that sentence? Gentile sinners, yeah, just, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, we know that a person, check this out, is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one, that no one in the original language means no one. It's just crazy how they got that right. No one will be justified. Now go over to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, look at what he writes to the church in this space and it's amazing too. Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14. He just hammers it again. And you, 
That's us who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses, all of the stuff that you've uh, accumulated over here through years of disobedience and calling the shots on your own. Said, no, that's over. That's gone. It's all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, essentially what we have Paul saying here is that even when you and I have our spiritual game on, like we brought our spiritual A game, it's going. You're firing on all cylinders. You got it just right. Everything is on point. Even when you're in that space, it's not good enough. It's not. It's not good enough. But he continues to make it clear that justification is ours because of Jesus. Innocence is declared for you and for me through faith in him. He, he offers that. And that forgiveness is offered to us. And it's not depending on whether we walk out of here and live in a way that is acceptable to God or not. But instead, it's 100% based on faith in the person and work of Christ. And if that wasn't mind-blowing enough, that we have been justified, justified because Jesus came, that's what we get to celebrate this Christmas. We, we march into this week. I mean, Christmas is like in a, a few days. A few days. And we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus came here. Now we can tie to it that we have been justified because he came. That's great news. And if that wasn't enough, there's a second aspect to work, uh, to work through here that transformation uh, brings us to this space where here's where we were. This is who we are to be that comes out of Romans 8. Let's go back to Romans 8, uh, verse 15. Look what Romans 8, 15 says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. In other words, there's this master and you're to perform in such a way that you stand in a right relationship with him. That's over. That's gone. There is no such thing now because of Christ. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And this whole aspect of adoption is it's so hard to often get our minds around it because so many of us have had uh, this, this earthly father who doesn't measure up to what we see in our heavenly father. And so when we hear heavenly father, if you're like me, like my mind goes to, well, I had this earthly father and he let me down a lot. And I think of myself as an earthly father and I let my kids down a lot. And so... Earthly fathers, like if this is a shadow of our heavenly father, sometimes it's hard. It's like heavenly father adoption. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't, how does that work? But our heavenly father is perfection in every way that our earthly father is not. And we're to look to him and look at the great lengths that our heavenly father went to, to show once and for all that he is a loving, merciful, kind, and generous God. That we are welcomed in as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. 
because Jesus came. These are a couple God-sized things that only God could do. He justifies us. Jesus came, he justifies us. Jesus came, we are now welcomed into the family of God as sons or daughters, heirs with Christ. This is crazy stuff. He invites us into that space. We can't get there on our own. We don't get to just go, I always wanted to be in the family of God. I'm just gonna you know, do a what about Bob thing and I'm just gonna be there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here, you know, and you're standing at the door, you know, and there you are. Well, just come on in. It doesn't work that way. We don't just get to, you know, make ourselves, uh, in, put ourselves in close proximity and then we're welcomed in. No, he adopts us. He brings us in. And what we have going on here is a theological reality that theologians call this. It's called positional holiness. Positional holiness. That essentially what positional holiness is this, that we've been declared spotless, blameless, free as sons and daughters, even though we're far from those things. Even though that's not our, our, our reality, we know in our head, it's like, yeah, I'm not innocent. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be welcomed in as a son or daughter because I've, I've kind of gone my own way and kind of pushed him aside, but he still comes after us. The coming of Jesus shows once and for all, positional holiness can be yours, but that's not all he wants. There's one last thing. So we've got justification, we've got adoption, but then there's this ongoing process that needs to be talked about. As amazing as positional holiness is, when God declares us free and he declares us family, that's not the end of the picture there. That because the old way of life for us is gone now, and now we get to walk in freedom and hope and life. There is now this invitation to walk in the way of Jesus, to, to follow after him, to absorb the truth of scripture, take this and go, God, what do you have for me? Like daily, we get the chance to open up this book and go, there is good stuff in here, God. Show me what you would have for me. And I wanna take this and I wanna use it all throughout the day. And then we come back to that the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And it fuels our prayer. And, it, and he invites us into these spaces to walk with him and begin to have the mind of Christ where our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes uh, are our behaviors, everything about us begins to line up in the way that it would be as if Jesus were in our shoes, because that's where he's going to take us. By the power of the Spirit of God, he will lead us in that direction. So we resemble Jesus in every way that we think. It affects our heart, it affects our behavior, and our lives are different. They're different. It goes down that way. Like, and so let's, let's go back to um, Romans 8 yet again. Back to 29. What did verse 29 say? I told you to come back to this. For those he foreknew, he also, be, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our trajectory in life. If you in here today have faith in Christ, the trajectory of your life is that you would look like him. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Think like him, uh, respond like him, have his heart, have his mind. That's where we are headed. And it's a process that called sanctification. We are justified. We are innocent. We are adopted as sons and daughters. And now we are on a journey with Jesus to be sanctified, to be resembling him in every way. That's what's going on. And I'm not talking about like mowing over the weeds 
so it looks like you got everything taken care of. You know what I'm talking about there? Anybody ever mowed over weeds? Edge your yard and you're like, man, it looks amazing. Like my, but the problem is the weeds come back and they come back stronger and they come back hardier and they take over the lawn and you can mow over them again and make it look like everything's right again, but it's not. They always come back. That's not what the Spirit of God is doing here. He's coming in and he's pulling those out. Deceit used to be you. That's the old you. It's gone. Insecurity, old you. That's gone. That's not your story anymore. Selfishness, greed, impurity. He replaces that with life. He plants that. Life. He plants hope. He plants truth. He plants a new trajectory into your life. That's what begins happening through justification. Because Jesus came, we are now innocent. Because Jesus came, we have been adopted as sons or daughters. Because he came, now we walk with him so that we resemble him in every way. It is a total transformation. It is a total change. And that movie, that's the best the world can, go, can do here. It's like, hey, watch this. Like he began to see the true meaning of Christmas and his heart grew three sizes that day. Is that what God has for us, that our heart would grow? Oh no, it's way better than that. It's way better that our heart would grow. But we're talking about were and here's what you are. I mean, it happens that the story of scripture from start to finish, this is what you were, you interacted with a loving God, and here's what you are now. The people of God were in bondage. They come in contact with a loving God. Now they're in the promised land. Dave, Dave, King David was a, a, a conniving, adulterous man. He interacts with God who offers forgiveness. Now he is free and a repentant, restored king. An adulterous woman caught in the act interacts with a loving savior. And now she stands unaccused. There's a greedy tax collector. And, and he was just totally robbing from his own people. Now he interacts with Jesus. He is a free and forgiven man. There was darkness and now you are light. There was brokenness and now you are whole. You were hopeless and now you are hopeful. There was wrath for you and now you have righteousness. Scripture tells us that you had a heart of stone. And now because of God, you have been given a heart of flesh. It's so much better. Because Jesus came, we have been justified, adopted as sons or daughters, are on a journey becoming more like him, walking in freedom and life. What we were and what we are are two different things because Christmas changed everything. And so when you walk into this week, tomorrow, be reminded of those truths. Tuesday, yet again, come into contact with those truths. And when you roll in on Friday to Christmas, I hope you remember that you are free, that you are adopted, that you are now on a journey to be who God has for you to be. And he's not done with you yet. And it is going to be an amazing journey. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Seems like a couple words that are so inadequate to express all that you did to come here and that we get to celebrate you in these next few days to remember that you're coming and your life and your ministry and your death 
and your resurrection that we can now stand innocent before a holy God to be called a son and a daughter of our heavenly father and that you walk with us and invite us into spaces of freedom and life, transformation, redemption, hope. Because you came, we have that. And so as we walk through this week, would you remind us in our time alone with you? I pray every time we read the Bible, we would just see you clearly, Jesus. I pray every time we pray, you would just come alive like you never have before. I pray that you would just do a great work in us as this year wraps up and we start looking into 2021. We don't know what the future holds. Other than this, you are faithful. You are good. You will unfold your plans and you have invited us into it. So I pray for all of us in this room tonight, those of us online as well, that we would be ravenous about pursuing you, that you would create in us a desire to know you like we have never known before. And we look into the future knowing that as we read today, that you are working in all things to produce good, to accomplish your plans, to conform us into the image of Christ. And we will find great joy in that. And you will be honored. And that God that spells out a life well lived. And so that's what we want. I pray that you would just create in us just a desire to walk with you faithfully. So we yield this to you. We thank you that you invite us into these spaces. So God, do what only you can do. But thank you for coming. Thank you for living the life we should have uh, lived and couldn't live. Thank you for dying the death that we deserve to die. And thank you for leaving perfection, coming here so that we could be forgiven free and sons, daughters, and walk in freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.